11, 14, uh, tw 14 through 26. Might be a little warm in here, but judging by some coats that are on, uh, perhaps it's not that warm. Uh, what actually happened was uh, uh, some of the heaters were left on by mistake, I think, Friday evening, uh, including the one in the office. Uh, but uh, here we are. Cold outside, hot inside. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Feels good in here? Yes. Praise the Lord to those who are reaching that point in life. Praise God. Uh, who has a loud voice and would like to give us uh, the blessing of reading the word, especially someone with a new King James Version? Is there anyone? No one with a new King James, right? You do have one, but don't feel like reading. You should have never let me know. <laughs> give it to Osafo, right? <laughs> Praise God. The book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 14, reads as follows, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm reading in place of Mark, who is standing as intimidated in the presence of Elaine. Boy, things change when you exchange a ring. <laughs> Two weeks ago, he would have read with a loud voice. Today, he's scared. What control, what control. We got to school him, right? We got to school him. <laughs> Make you want to read. Praise God. Yeah, come here and read it, brother. Amen. Chapter 11, 14 through 26. Come up here and read it, brother. Amen. I'll read this name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he, and he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casted out demons by, how you pronounce that name? Sorry, Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Others testing him saw from a, him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself brought to desolation, and a house divided against it, a, a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by his name, Beelzebub, by whom do your son cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace, but when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor and in which he trusted and divided his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Amen, right? Oh, 26, 26. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Amen. 
My Lord God, may God help us. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before your holy, mighty presence, O Lord, this morning, Sunday early, dear Lord. We're so thankful for your kindness, your goodness, your grace, O Lord, your mercy, your compassion. Thank you, Lord, for your holy and mighty word which has been read. We pray, God, for blessings upon our lives and within our hearts that you, O Lord, will continue to move, dear God, deep within our souls, helping us to grow, to mature, God Almighty, to move forward all under your grace and glory. Lord, at this moment, we all come before humbly before your presence, O Lord, as you are no acceptors of man. You are no respecter of man, dear God. Lord, we all come even, dear God, because you have no favorite children, dear Lord. But we all, dear God, come here humbly, hungry, dear God, thirsty, dear God, for a move of your spirit, for a move of your word, O Lord. We ask you, God Almighty, you cleanse the heirs, O Lord, of all demonic forces and all spirits that may come to try to interrupt, dear Lord, the ministering of your word. We ask you to be glorified in a holy and mighty way, dear Lord, and that you will minister to each and every one of our hearts, O Lord. Help us to move, O Lord, and to walk out of here that got different to how we came. In Jesus' holy name, we all say, praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Can you turn to somebody and use the expression? I hardly ever do that, right? Say repeat or turn, right? But I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody. Shake someone's hand and say, the struggle just got real. The struggle just got real. Now repeat with me. Repeat with me. The struggle just got real. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, when we find ourselves within our natural everyday routine lives, that's when we realize, right, what type of struggle and battle we're in. Uh, it's easy to play off when we're struggling, when we're battling, all right, when we're going against adversary. Uh, sometimes we can play it off. There, there are times, Blue, where we're sitting around and we can't hide it. There's times where it comes up on our sleeves, it comes up on our faces, and, and it becomes difficult to hide. You know, that's when it reaches a certain point, you know, where it crosses a threshold in our own personal lives where we realize that we can't handle what's going on. We can't, we can't handle what's going on. We're struggling with what's going on. Uh, today's message title is, What in the World Are You Thinking About? What in the world are you thinking about? Amen? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Your spouse can't answer that. Your siblings can't answer that. Your parents can't answer that. Because we, we can express and say, you know, uh, this is going through my mind while something totally different is within our minds. And sometimes, you know, we use a facade. We use a facade. And we cover up what's within our hearts. But the sad situation is when a crisis comes up, when a situation arises, that's when the true me comes out. That's when the true me simply shows up. 
whether I want to or not, that's where the true me is going to show up. Because we can appear to be a person uh, who, who, by handing out money or, or, or by treating somebody to dinner, we, we can appear as somebody who is giving, who is kind, and so on. But when the true need shows up and, and the amount extends beyond what uh, your reach is, and they tell you, listen, can you help out with this situation? All of a sudden, the true you shows up. The one that uh, kind of holds back funds. But all this time, you've appeared... So you're the one they approach. Can you help out in this situation? And the true you shows up oh, 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 um, with an excuse or two. With an excuse or two. What in the world are you thinking about? I heard a pretty bad joke yesterday, and I want to tell it here today. My hope is not to offend anybody or hurt any feelings or stir up anything. But if it disturbs and bother you, please let Chris know. He didn't tell a joke, by the way, <laughs> so, but I was going to pin it on him. Sad thing was, as I read, and I told my family, we were laughing sadly at it. There's a lady who was apparently on her deathbed, right, on her deathbed. And while she's laying on her deathbed, uh, she begins to sort of look to the side. And as she looks to the side, she looks out the window. And as she looks out the window, she says, how beautiful it looks as evening is falling upon the skies. How beautiful it looks as evening is falling upon the skies. Her son-in-law interrupts her while she's speaking and says, mom, mom, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Look into the light. Look into the tunnel. Look into the tunnel. Keep going. Keep going. Did you, anybody get that? That's pretty messed up, right? That's pretty messed up. He's trying to keep her focused on a certain thought. But the thought that he's trying to keep her focused on is a thought that is of benefit to him, in a sense. Not what's beneficial to his wife, not what's beneficial to his mother-in-law, who's on her last, perhaps, last day of life. In other words, hurry up and go. Hurry up and go. Thinking only of himself. If we look at Proverbs 23, open up to Proverbs 23 if you can really quick with me. Verse 7. Proverbs 23 verse 7 tells us, For as a man, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. As a, for, as a, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Does that make sense? So as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your mind, is what makes up who you are. Is what makes up exactly who you are. Whatever you meditate on, whatever you think on, whatever you dwell on, Whatever's important to you, whatever's prioritized within you, you know, that is who you are. We can make plans toward the future. We can set certain directions. We can speak and we can express them. But if they're not within our hearts, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Because what's within your heart is what ultimately will come about. Is what ultimately will come about. The Bible tells us, guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. 
And the Proverbs also tells us, do not lean onto your own understanding. In other words, seek direction and seek the face, seek the presence of God, ask God for direction because we don't know which way to go. We should pray about everything. We should speak to God about even the smallest of details. We should take time. We should meditate. Because sometimes we find ourselves on the other side of a situation. And we come to realize how disobedient we were to God. And sometimes we tell ourselves, had I consulted God, things would have turned out differently. Things would have turned out differently. When you're going forward towards a marriage... When you're going forward towards a job, when you're going forward towards purchasing a house, when you're going forward towards purchasing a vehicle, when you're going to a job interview, when you're selecting your electives or, or, or your majors in college, we should pray, we should talk to God. We should ask God for direction. When we have created havoc and perhaps a crisis and a situation at home within our spouses, within our marriages, you know, before we enter the conversation, we should seek the face of God and ask God, God, control me. God, teach me what to say. Help me to say what's right. Before we choose a dentist, before we choose a doctor, before we choose a mechanic, sounds so simple, right? But we should go before the presence of God. We don't want to go to a mechanic that's going to charge us $1,200 for a $30 job. And the job wasn't even done right. And there's no guarantee on it. We want to ask God to guide us, give us instruction, illuminate us. Help us to move forward in a certain direction. Even, even, even. I don't know if you've done this. But when I've gone out to stores to purchase... I've asked God, help me to find a good sale. Help me to find a good sale. But normally if you're tithing, that comes across anyway. That's another message, right? But see, what's in your heart is what creates direction. What's in your heart is what moves you in a certain way. Because those are the firm steps that you can take. See, what's within your heart sometimes is what you begin to trust. And begins to be the ground that you stand and step on. See, what's within your heart is like, you know, there are friends who will tell you sometimes, don't do it. Don't do it. Did that happen to you? Don't do it. Don't do it. And you go on and do it anyway. And on the other side, let me tell you something. I'll tell you something about myself, which I normally do, right? Uh, but I go to a mechanic that I've been with for 25 years. 25 years I've been with the same mechanic, right? And, 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 and let me tell you, the guy's pretty amazing and knows his stuff, and his prices are very inexpensive, you know. Uh, many of us here have used them. Uh, pretty honest folks, him and his son run the place. But one time years ago, I, I, I fell in love visually, you know, with, with this van. It was a Plymouth Voyager. It was a Plymouth Voyager. Let me tell you, it was bad. It was bad. We, we, we suffered, we suffered with that car. I, I, I bought that car. I, I fell so in love with it, with the look. It had wood paneling on the outside. You know, uh, it, it was you know, one of those caravans that you know, the first came up, you know, the door opens to the side. And I was so in love with it. And, and I wanted it so bad. And the guy, the guy who was selling him, it's funny. I wasn't buying a car. He was selling a car. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't out to buy a car. I had a car. But he, was, he wanted to get rid of that van. 
He starts talking about it, talking about it. And, and, and I, I, I like the van as it is, and, and I love the van. And as he's talking about it, the more he spoke about it, the more I fell in love with it. And about another two day or two later, I called him up and I asked him, listen, uh, I, I like that van. Um, how much you want for it? Funny thing, sadly, I didn't know he was selling the van, but he had a price for it right away. Right? So it was like something like $3,500. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll tell you something in summary to make a long or a short story long. I purchased, 30, I purchased a van for $3,500. I end up putting it to it about $6,000. I didn't pray about it. I didn't fully consult. You know who I spoke to? To the mechanic. I, I took a ride to my mechanic, and I told him, no, no, son, I like this van. I love this van. It's not what, what do you think? He tells me, six, though. He says, listen to me. Don't buy this van. Don't buy this. I took it to him to seek his advice to see what I would do. The problem was that as he was speaking to me, and he's telling me, don't buy this van. All I heard was this. Because I already knew in my heart what I was going to do. I already knew in my heart what I was going to do. And I looked at him and I said, um, oh, okay, 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 okay. Right? And, and I left. And I went straight to the guy, and I gave him $3,500. When that van started to foam and foam and send out foam, people said, oh, because let me tell you. One guy told me, oh, it's, it's, it's a fan. Another one told me it's the belt. Another one told me it's the road. Another one told me it's the relay. Another one told me it's the head gasket. Another one told me that, 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 uh, that, that you got to change the engine. Another one said you got to change the radiator. And the reason I say another, another, another is because I went to like seven different mechanics. I never went back to my mechanic. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to go back to him because he's in the, what is he going to tell me? Oh, only the wives answered. I noticed that. I told you so. Only the women answered. I noticed that. Did you notice that, Blue? Only the women answered. I told you so. I was afraid. He didn't tell me, I told you not to buy this van. So I went to, let me tell you, I had to rebuild the engine twice. I had to rebuild the engine twice. And I was spending so much money in the van that I could have bought me a new one by the time I was finished. I could have bought myself a new one. All this because I didn't listen to the advice of my mechanic. And believe me, I think God was speaking to me through the mechanic. The sad thing is I had not asked God for his advice because I knew what I wanted. And sometimes we can stand in that struggle with God where God is trying to tell us something, but we're going to do what we want, how we want, anyway, anyhow. And sometimes we can come before the presence of God, and I'm not speaking to anyone directly. I'm speaking to all of us. We can come before the presence of God hypocritically. And tell God, God, what do you want me to do when we know what we're going to do either way, either way? And we get stuck, and we have a battle. We get stuck, and we have a battle. How sad it is that eventually I had to end up <coughs> junking that van because nobody would buy it. Nobody would buy it. I was going out to this mechanic, Santana. And at the next point, after we resolved the issue with the engine uh, and the gasket and the foaming, 
the transmission started to leak. The transmission started to leak. And then, folks, if you ask my wife, my wife was so upset because she even had told me, Six, don't buy this van. Don't buy this van. But I was so stuck on the van. I, 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 I couldn't get it out of my heart. I couldn't get it out of my system. I couldn't shake it. It was so nice to my eyes. Physically, I was looking at it. It was so nice to my eyes. That van, that van knew well seven tow trucks. I had to tow it seven times within a year and a half. At one point, I had to send my family. We were somewhere deep in Jersey. Went to see some kind of a rodeo, and I had to send my family. I think at the time it was by cab back to the city. Well, I stood behind with the tow truck, towing the van back to the city. And we towed the van to my mechanic. We left them, not my mechanic, a mechanic I was seeing at the time. And, and, and we towed the van back, and then I went home by cab. I spent so much money, okay? It's like I would call AAA and they would say, Mr. Francois, yes, what can we do for you? Like they knew I was calling already. But when I got home, it's like, you know, my wife is just at home and I, I walk in. If, if, if I were a dog, I would have walked in with my tail between my legs. Because I walked into the house, into home, and I was like so embarrassed, so embarrassed. She knew. But I thank God my wife never told me, I told you so. Only eight times. <laughs> Only eight times. But she said, you see, I knew we shouldn't have bought this van. The sad thing is that I could have told her, I knew it too. I knew it too. The problem was that my eyes fell in love with what I was seeing. And I wasn't seeking the Lord in my heart and asking him for direction. The Lord wants to bless us. The Lord doesn't want us to go through this type of struggle. And when we go through this type of struggle, folks, God will be with us. What ultimately happened was we jumped the van. I started finally praying to God about it. What should I do? What should I do with this car? And the Lord directed me and said, listen, buy another car. Even if you have to financially pay for it monthly, you're going to come out better than putting money into it. And Edgar at the time took me to a place called Condemi Auto Remember Condemi? And we purchased that Corolla. And let me tell you, I was, putting, I was paying on a monthly to that Corolla, but that Corolla lasted us about 15 years. Lasted us about 15 years. And it, it was used when I purchased it. And never, never gave us a problem. Never gave it. But I had prayed about it. I had prayed about it. And within the conversation, it comes out of nowhere. Listen, you're going to buy another car. Boom, boom, I'll take you to this place. And we went to the place. The guy was so reliable. They mentioned him on WWDJ. It was just a Christian station at the time, right? And I was like, oh, oh this is of God. This is of God. Oh, it's on WDJ? Oh, it's got to be of God. It's got to be of God. But the blessing is the car lasted us about 15 years. The Lord blessed us. Paul tells the church at Philippi, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise worthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. The Bible is constantly trying to give us a sense of direction and a sense of focus. What to look at. What to look at. If we look at scripture and the portion that we read, the Bible says that Jesus is rebuking the demon. And as he's rebuking this demon, 
many thoughts came about toward what he had just done. See, and the thing is, sadly, when God is doing something in our lives, we have different reactions to it, right? We have different ways of thinking about it. Sometimes, you know what? We reason what God does. And we scientifically prove that, hey, this was the natural outcome of what was about to happen. And we discredit a miracle even from God. Where God is trying to minister into our hearts, he's trying to minister into our lives. And sometimes we tell ourselves, no, 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 no. This is of me. This is of me. I I remember they were asking for a special offering. And this is about 20 years ago. And I'm laughing in my head back then. Because they were asking for this offering uh, for, toward a need. And I didn't have much you know, cash on me. I had about $120 at the time in my pocket. And while they're asking for the offering, in my heart, I was moved to give $100. But I kept thinking, why? You know, I'm trying to reason. It kept coming into my heart. Give the 100 Give the 100 But in my heart, I kept thinking, if I give the 100 I'm staying with 20 why don't I get the 20 and stay with 100? And as I'm thinking within my heart and trying to reason this thing through, the guy who's asking for the offer, he says, God is telling you in your heart to give 100. And you know it's God because it's not of you because you will never think of giving 100. And it was so true. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I started counting the money out. And I said, yes, this is it. I'm going to give the 100. Meanwhile, I had not consulted my wife. Oh, we were left with 20 for the week, in a sense. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I'm still trying to reason. But Lord, but can it be? <laughs> it's a battle, folks. It's a battle. It's a battle. But whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever virtue, think upon these things. In other words, focus and meditate on the things of the Lord. See, while Jesus is rebuking this demon, he's trying to engage the mind and the heart of the people to stop thinking about your homes. Stop thinking about your cars. Stop thinking about your personal financial situation. Think about the kingdom first. The word tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things are going to be added unto you. In other words, when you seek God's kingdom first, the blessings are going to chase you. But when you're chasing the blessings, the kingdom of God is moving further from you. Jesus is trying to move and stir the hearts of the people. And verses right before this, Jesus says, you know what? Pray, seek, knock, and it will be open. It will be given. It will be answered. And you will be given the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit given for the sake of our thoughts, for the sake of our hearts, to change our direction, to change the way we think. You know, depend on God's Holy Spirit. To give us the direction in life as to where we are to go. To stop meditating, to stop thinking on what's natural, and start thinking about what's spiritual. Jesus gave credit to the kingdom of Satan. Jesus gave credit to Satan's kingdom. In other words, Satan's kingdom does exist. And what opened up the question was, when he was rebuking this demon, as he rebuked this demon, we got three different reactions from three different type of attitudes. One... He rebukes the demon. The Bible says, and he was casting out a demon, and it was a mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. The multitudes marveled. People were impressed. Jesus, if we read a little further on, 
The, ex the exorcism of demons did exist at the time. That's why Jesus says, wait a minute. If I cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub, meaning, in other words, the king of demons. The king of demons was brought about from Babylon. Babylonian thinking back in the time of Canaan. Back in the time of Canaan, in other words, uh, the Babylonian gods, the Israelites were told and taught by God that the Babylonian gods were Beelzebub. In other words, you know what? They were Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies is such an expression, such a heavy derogatory expression. Because what Lord of the Flies means, folks, where do you mostly see flies? Huh? Say it again. Around death stuff, right, in a sense? Things that smell bad, things that are dead, right, in a sense. You know, but, but the, actual, the actual scripture teaches, or but the Talmud teaches, it's dung, dung. Defecation, poo, right? Uh, right? Poo, part. You made me say that, I know. <laughs> Let's go, it's cool. Dung. Where a dog has been, and like, Then all of a sudden you see flies come and pile up. So what they were trying to tell Jesus was, you're simply the Lord over dung. Isn't that heavy? They were trying to discredit him to the point because he had just rebuked the demon. And he had this power. And the problem was, Jesus says, wait a minute. If I rebuke demons by the power of Beelzebub, how do your sons rebuke them? Because if I rebuke them by that finger of God relating back to Exodus, dealing with your forefathers back when Beelzebub was discovered by the finger of God, then it means that the kingdom of God has come into your midst. Jesus was trying to change the way they were thinking in the direction of their thoughts. Because their children, their sons were rebuking. There was exorcists back then. The problem is to exorcise the demon... They would take seven or eight days. What began to happen was as they were observing, and if we, we read the book of Acts, we realized that this started to take place. Where they started to observe, Jesus wouldn't go before a demonic possessed person and say, in the name of Jesus or in my name. No, Jesus was simply speaking to the demon and the demons were rebuked. Later on, we see his disciples claiming, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke you. So as this became sort of a fad, what began to happen was the sons of the Jews, they, they began to exercise demons by mentioning in the name of Jesus without giving him total credit as Lord. But they realized that the name of Jesus had power, that the name of Jesus had authority. They came to realize it no longer took seven or eight days to exercise a demon. But when Jesus went before a demon, he would simply say, get out. And the demon would leave immediately. They recognized his authority, but not his lordship. So they began to call upon his name. They began to call upon his name. And they would exercise demons. So now Jesus was saying within the chapter, he says, if I exercise demons by Beelzebub, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Your sons are rebuking name, uh, uh, demons in what name? In what name? In what name are they rebuking demons? They're rebuking demons, what Jesus wanted them to confess. They, because the thing is, he just threw the question out. How are your sons rebuking demons? 
The answer to them was, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In other words, here is Jesus. And yet you're calling me the son or Lord of the devil. You're calling me king over the demons. But no, I am Jesus. So when we rebuke demons, his sons, he said, that's why your sons are going to be your judges. In other words, ultimately, your sons are going to realize that there's power in the name of Jesus, but here you are standing judging Jesus himself. But yet, the audience, the Bible says the audience marveled. They were amazed. Has anyone here ever witnessed a miracle? Amen. Two of you. Two of you? Raise your hand if you witnessed a miracle. Has God ever done a personal miracle in your personal life? Amen. 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 So you see the power of God. What happened right after that? You gave him credit. You gave him honor. You gave him glory. You marveled. Because even we can take God's miracles as something that's casual. But we're so amazed when God acts out in our lives. I had testified at one point where I had fallen and I had hurt my back. I had been injured not too long after my legs, my knee surgery. I had knee surgery in November. In December, I fell down a, I fell down a flight of stairs. And when I fell on that flight of stairs, folks, oh, you don't want to know. My mother-in-law came to check on me. I was saying, Mom, look into the... No, I'm going to <laughs> My mother-in-law came. Everyone came to check me out. I was in severe pain. And when they came to check me out, I'm on the floor, laying on the floor. And all I'm saying, please, just go away, people. Just go away. Because I was in such pain. I wanted to cry by myself. Please go away. I hurt my, it was my tailbone. And I got up, and it wasn't, it, it, kind of, it kind of messed up Christmas. Had it not been for Jesus, that Christmas would have been ruined. But I was walking around, limping, and I had to go to work a couple of days later. And I went to work like that. And my back had been injured. And in my head, this is for life. This is for life. And I was walking around like that for a couple of weeks. And I would not go to urgent care. I would not go to the doctor. I wasn't going anywhere. I said, this is it. You know, I said, what am I going to do? Go to the doctor and say, you need surgery. Something. So I left it there. So meanwhile, I, I, I'm, I'm at a service, a district service. And while the district service is going on, we're having a great time. The Lord is blessing. The Lord is moving. The Lord is motivating. Nobody knows about my back issues but my, my, my immediate family. My mom, my sister, my, my mother-in-law, so on. And, and, and so I, they call us to the altar. And I go to the altar. You know, you know, I'm walking normal, pretty much normal, but the pain is there. And I work, I'm feeling it. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to work for too much longer because if this pain continues in my job, I can't do it. So I'm thinking about my future, meditating on my future, and I just, I'm praying to God, Lord, about my back. So all of a sudden, the young minister who's ministering and preaching, he ends the message, and he asks us to help them pray over people. So I'm there praying for people, praying for people. But all I can think about, I'm praying for people, and, 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 and God's not healing me. God's not healing me. We're praying over people's situation, and God's not healing me. And then I went back to the altar, and I'm standing up, and while we're standing like this, you know, the, the, the minister, the young preacher grabs the mic, comes up, and he comes to me. I didn't ask for prayer or nothing. He says, you know what? He says, I have to pray for your lower back. I don't know where. And then he mentioned four other things that only I know in here. He said, the Lord wants you to know this, boom, that, boom, this, boom, this. He just spoke to me directly, you to you. Now, I'm amazed 
at the fact that God cared so much for my lower back, that God was actually listening to me within my prayers. And when he prayed for me, he put his hand right where the pain was without me telling him a thing. And he said, I'm also praying for your bones and for your knees. He had no, I didn't know this preacher. I never met him in my life. First time I ever saw him. And he said, I'm praying also for your knees. And he started to put his hands upon me and putting his hands on my knees. And he started meditating and praying. Boom, 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 boom. He finished the prayer and I gave God glory, but didn't think much of it. Didn't think much of it. All of a sudden, about a week ago, hey, folks, this is how bad things are. A week ago, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, folks, when I walked off that altar, I walked off that altar with a brand new back. No pain whatsoever. God had ministered. God had continually restored and healed me. But I was thinking about the ministry and distracted. A week and a half later, my wife asked me, Six, how's your back? Still killing you, huh? I said, no, Nancy. I forgot to tell you, last week, (laughs) God healed me. God healed me. God moves, folks, and continues to do. This is by the finger of God, folks. I didn't want to reason and think, oh, no, no, it's because I slept this way, because I rubbed this stuff on, because I took these pills. No, no, no. God's hand was upon me, and God healed me, folks. That simple, simply said, and I believe it, and I accept it. But the people, as I did, I marveled. I was so excited. God, you healed me. I marveled. The only problem is that, see, as people marveled, others said, no, he's doing it by the power, and he is the ruler of the demons, Beelzebub. Others moved on to test him, to test him. Lord, if it's really you, have you ever said that? You ever said that? Lord, if it's really you, Lord, if it's really you, allow me to take you to another story in my personal life. Before I came to Christ, I contemplated suicide. And as I was contemplating suicide, I'm sitting there, and I sat on the bed, and when I sat on the bed, a slow wind began to blow through the window. And all of a sudden, when that wind is blowing, I knew it was God. Now, this is before fully reconciling. The wind began to blow, and the curtain began to move. And the thing is, I'm contemplating suicide, looking this way, because that's where the knives were, sadly. Because I had some problems that, you know, I won't go into details. And when I saw the curtain move, all of a sudden I said, God, is that you? And I verbally said, uh, probably in my head I said, God, if that was you, move that curtain again. And the curtain went like this again. And I looked at this, and I looked at it, and I said, I said, nah, 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 nah. And I said again, Lord, Lord. If it's you, in my head, move that curtain again. And the curtain goes and comes down. I'm speaking in the presence of the Lord, folks. The curtain goes down. Again, I'm looking at the curtain now, and I'm getting a little bit excited because God was in that room. I'm breathing the same air that Jesus was breathing at that moment. I'm breathing the same air that Jesus is breathing. The presence of God was in that room. I wasn't in my right mind. I wasn't thinking naturally. I wasn't thinking as I should, but Jesus came to my rescue. 
And again I said, in my head, Lord, if that's you, move that curtain. This time it was as if the Lord was saying, stop doubting, because the curtain just went. And I said, Lord, it is you. It is you, Lord. And I'm so grateful, Lord, and I apologize for my thoughts, Lord. And I quickly laid back down and went back to sleep. The direction of my mind had changed because the rescuer, the auxiliary, the savior of my soul has shown up and had told me things are going to be okay. Your problems are not bigger than mine. Your circumstances are not bigger than mine. Cancer is not bigger than me. Your disease, your sickness is not bigger than me. He allowed me to understand how powerful and how mighty he was and the fact that my life and my situation was in his hand was in his hand. Jesus rebukes this demon. My life wasn't to that extreme, and I hope and pray yours wasn't either. But a demon-possessed individual, can you imagine the emotions, the thought, the circumstances, the suffering? When someone is without Christ, they find themselves isolated, far away from society. They don't want to be around anybody. These are signs of depression sometimes. They begin to isolate themselves. But the beautiful thing is that even while they begin to isolate themselves, as perhaps this was your circumstance, this was your case, where you wanted to do nothing with nobody. And sometimes, you know what? That happens to us even now. Where sometimes we begin to slowly isolate ourselves because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to face it. We don't want to confront it. But someone keeps coming into the room. Someone keeps coming into the picture. Someone keeps popping into conversation. Someone keeps calling. Folks, is God trying to call you? Is God trying to let you know, I'm here to help? This demon-possessed individual was suffering all this time. And while he was suffering in agony on his own, he had no idea how to find a solution. He perhaps did not even know how he got into the circumstance. But Jesus shows up on the scene and rebukes the demon. And folks, when Jesus changed your life, you know what happened? Many people marveled. Many people say, hey, 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 hey. No, 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 no. Belzebub has doing something. Many people began to test you. Oh, take a zip of this. Take a zip of that. Take a tug of this. To see the change was real. But the change is real, folks. The suffering has started, but the change is real. Because at one time you were suffering under the struggles of Satan. But now Satan is not coming from within. He's coming from the outside, attacking what you're doing. See, Jesus moves further. He says, you know what? A strong man can have all his gear, all his garments, you know what, all his armor. But when a stronger man comes in, in other words, he says, here I am, the stronger man. With power beyond what you can think about. He said, you know what, eventually, he says, the queen of Bathsheba came from the distance. She came from the south to see this power. The, the, the wisdom of Solomon, one greater than Solomon is here. In other words, stop focusing on what you're thinking. Think of me. Focus your eyes upon me. Look upon me. Stop looking at what you're thinking. That's why I have to keep asking, what in the world are you thinking about? Think about Jesus. Joshua was told in 1.8, 
Meditate on the law. The church of Ephesus was told what these things are. Think upon these things. As a, soul, as a man thinks upon, within his heart, so is he. Think and meditate on God's word. Think and meditate on the Lord. The warning that Jesus gives towards the end, and the part that Mark didn't want to read. We have to realize, folks, you may not have come, and I pray not. But if you did, you know what? Sometimes we got to confess and testify. I hope and pray nobody here has been, ever been demon-possessed. But it doesn't mean that a demon has not tried to possess you. See, because demons try to hijack your life. See, Christianity throughout the years has been hijacked by evil men. Sometimes, you know what? A demon tries to hijack your story, your life. He tries to intervene. And Jesus says, you know what happens? Because the thing is, he's speaking about service. He's speaking about the kingdom. He's speaking about ministry. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about transformed, changed life. Here's a life that's changed. But he says, you know what? When a demon has exited, and let's not look at it at the extreme. Let's not say that the demon was per perhaps within you. But we knew that the demon perhaps was around us. Have you ever felt the oppression of Satan? I know, and I hear a lot about, I hear people that they have that dream where they can't breathe, or they feel like they're being strangled. You know, when many people have that dream, or, 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 or it's, it's sometimes not a dream, but it moves towards real. You said Elaine strangled you? Jose? Amen. <laughs> you know, this is real, folks. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. It's a battle. It's a battle. And the thing is, you know what? See, Jesus says when the demon leaves, he's looking for somewhere where to live. Remember back in Noah? Remember Noah when he sent out the dove? The dove was looking where to land. Three times he tried, and the dove would find nowhere where to land, where to reside. See, the same thing happens with the power of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is looking at where to reside. Because spirits need somewhere moist and warm where to live. Does it make sense? See, see, a, a spirit, that's why I, I have some doubts. Like somebody says, you know, listen, like, oh, like a demon will come here and go like this. Like out of nowhere, like those phenomenon movies, you know. No, 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 you know what? The demon. The demon is looking for somewhere moist. The, need, the demon needs a body where to reside. Demon needs a body where to live. So the Bible says, you know what? The demon leaves. And he's looking around. And he's going through dry places. But he's looking for someplace moist, warm. He's looking for flesh and blood. He's got to reside within flesh and blood. Because if he's going to create havoc, he's got to create it through a body. Through a body. Because the spirit can't simply move. That's why God's Holy Spirit doesn't simply go. God's Holy Spirit will use me. Will, you, you, will use you to pray over a person or to move an object. See, but the spirit moves. And Jesus says, you know what? The person has been delivered, folks. But now that they have been delivered, be careful and watch out. Now that the, spirit, the person has been delivered... What in the world are you thinking about? 
Because the person has to keep this demon out of them. Because what happens is, folks, listen, how many people have you heard say, oh, I never had such problems until I came to Jesus? You heard that? Some people say, oh, back when I was in the world, I didn't have these problems. Now I'm in the Christ, and I have these problems. You know what? Because back when you were in the world, there was only one demon trying to bother you. But now that you're in Christ, that demon came to you, and he saw new curtains. It's been swept. It has been mopped. It has been cleaned. And somebody said, you can't live in here because the Holy Spirit and Jesus are living within this body. Because the Bible says, you know, we are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. So since God's Holy Spirit is within us and we are the temple of God, what does that demon do? He goes out and he gets seven demons who are stronger than him to come back to create havoc. And what does he do, folks? Seven demons working on you. Eight, right? Including the one that left. They're working on you. They're trying to distract you. They're trying to take away your focus. They're trying to take away your guidance. They're trying to take you away from meditating on the word of the Lord. They're trying to take away from you the, the meditating on what God has done. They're even discrediting what Jesus has done in your life in the past. You know, have you ever doubted what Jesus did in your past? That's not simply by your thinking. Those are demonic forces influencing your thinking. See, because the forces are trying to grab hold of you once again. They want to reside within you and around you once again. But Jesus is speaking to them. And that's why when the woman comes out and she says, Blessed is the womb who bore you and the breast which nursed you. Jesus says, you know what? More important is those who have accepted the word and stay within the word. What are you thinking about? If you're not thinking on the word, you might create access to the enemy. Because the Bible says, what about the devil? He roars like a lion looking to devour. But the word also says, resist the devil, and he has to flee. How can you resist, resist the devil? Change how you're thinking. Change what you're meditating on. See, the disciples before this walked up to Jesus I would have loved, oh, I, I would even love to have a dream, but within the dream, seeing how Jesus prayed. And to be able to hear the words that Jesus used while he was praying. Could you imagine that? You know, sometimes in our own personal lives, we have those powerful moments where, you know, we're, we're praying in the spirit and it's like we, we, we know it's the Lord and, and God is moving and, and God is doing. And, and then all of a sudden, also, you know what? You know, we get up with such power. We feel the authority. And sometimes it doesn't happen just right then and there. Sometimes, you know what? It, sometimes it happens, you know, the next day. Well, so, you know, we, we finish praying. We don't feel a difference. But then two days later, something happens, and we're like, whoa. We know what to do, and there is all the difference. There is all the difference. Pray, folks. Meditate. Seek the presence of God. Victor Frankie wrote this. Between stimulus and response, there is a space between stimulus. In other words, what's, what's trying to move you and how you respond, there is a space. 
is that space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Does that make sense? See, something is trying to trigger you. It all depends on your response. There are moments when we know that it is the enemy, and sometimes even our flesh. But instead of seeking and going on our knees before the presence of God, we continue with our lives as if everything was okay. And I think it's a time, folks, that we stop and realize that we are in a spiritual crisis and that things are not normal as usual and we can't remain comfortable. We have to stop today and do something now. We got to do something right now. I believe God is speaking into our lives. Because God wants us to understand this is a battle. This is a fight. A kingdom cannot be divided a kingdom. In other words, there's a battle of kingdoms here. The kingdom of heaven has fought in your favor, is fighting your favor. The kingdom of heaven is here right now. It's your time to decide what you're going to do while the enemy in your flesh, the world, is trying to trigger you and stimulate you. What are you going to decide? It's time to decide here and now. Here and now. Life cannot continue as usual. Some of us are spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing in the tin. The worst thing is if you have to respond financially and your bank account is empty. If you have to respond spiritually and your spiritual account is empty, folks, now is the time to do something here and now. Can't continue as usual. I'm going to read really quick. In this book, in this book, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Frankie, he writes about the psychological impact of life. As a prisoner in the Nazi concentration camps of World War II, his mother, father, brother, and pregnant wife were all killed in the camp. Dr. Frankie describes in chilling detail how his captors took from him the virtually it took from him virtually everything of personal value and of basic human dignity. The only thing the Nazis were unable to take away was the choice as to how he would respond to the depravity, degradation, and the trauma to which he was subjected. He made a conscious decision to focus his energies on owning that small but important space between the stimulus. Whatever was said or done to him and his response to it, his response, his ability to retain, pardon, his ability to retain the degree of psychological, spiritual, and anomaly, and in most horrific circumstances imaginable, provide a remarkable example of the interpersonal strength, grace under extreme duress, the power of personal choice, and the serenity of power and prayer and action. It all comes down to a choice, folks. The attack is real. The struggle is real. You're trying to be moved in one direction or the other. What are you going to choose? You know where you're at. And as I've said before, sadly, how many people do we know that 
Have you ever, have you ever ran into a backslider? You ever ran into a backslider? Meaning someone who was in the gospel and now they're no longer on it? These people were sitting in the pew like we are here today. And they decided to do nothing in favor of their spiritual lives. And yet, sadly, they're out in the world, moving in their own direction and on their way to sad hell. Jesus told us in John 8, 35, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 7, 9, I am the door of the sheep. John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection of life. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1, I am the true vine. See, whatever need you have, Jesus can meet. There is no direction you're heading where Jesus can't stop you from heading right now. It all depends on you. May God bless you. God keep you. And if you're in crisis, folks, come to the altar. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God. Let's change the direction of our lives. Let's not allow, allow ourselves to continue as we're going. Let's really do something about it. Let's not say we're going to do something. Let's do something about it. Let's stop talking about it and let's get into action and to prayer. Let's let the Lord handle this situation. Amen. Amen.